and this is the Artists at Play podcast. everyone, this is Marie Redvelez, one of the producing artistic leaders of Artists at Play. In this episode, we're featuring the amazing and impressive interns who worked with Artists at Play in the summer of 2023. They are Billy Chang, Asher Hammer, and Jocelyn Sheck. I got to chat with Billy, Asher, and Jocelyn one-on-one about their theater backgrounds, how they started to focus on Asian American theater, and some of their work with artists at play. Even though we only spend a few short months together, the interns all leave a huge impression with us as an organization and as individuals. I always appreciate these chats and opportunities to learn from our interns. And honestly, they give me so much hope for the future of our field. And they may bring you some hope too. This episode was recorded in August of 2023. Enjoy. Okay, so my first guest today is Billy Chang. Billy is an incoming senior at UCLA where she studies English with a creative writing concentration. She was a 2022-2023 producer for LCC which is also known as UCLA's Asian American Theater Company. Hi, Billy. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Before we start, can we talk about LCC? Yeah. I think it's so awesome. I think it's so awesome that you're that you're a producer on that. So um, could you tell us about LCC and maybe a little bit of the background for, for those who might not know? Yeah, so um, LCC stands for Lapu the Kaidi That Cares Theater Company. Um, and it was founded in 1995 by Derek Mateo, David Lee, and Randall Park um, with the mission of giving a voice to the voiceless. So basically, that was sort of my spiel when I would introduce the shows during the year. But I think it's really important in terms of like the history. I think it's the oldest. I, I don't know if it's still, if this is right, but I am pretty sure it's the oldest um, like Asian American collegiate theater group in the nation. And I think like being a part of it has really shaped who I am. And so I really owe everything to LCC and sort of like my entire college career and hopefully like beyond to them. So I'm very grateful that I was able to be a part of that. But yeah, it's very cool like having so many alumni and I don't know, it's just like I joined G26, which is sort of like our generations. And like now we're on G29. So I don't know, it's just like been around for so long that it's, it's very impressive. That does sound like it probably, I would believe it, yeah. that, that it's yeah. the oldest. <laughs> I've been saying it, so hopefully it's right. <laughs> and so, so how, how did you get involved with LCC? Um, yeah. So in high school, I didn't do any theater at all. I honestly didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I remember when I applied for college, I was really interested in writing and I was like more focused on journalism, I guess. But when I entered college, I knew that Randall Park was an English major and I like sort of was like, oh, like what did he do while he was in LC- I mean, in UCLA? So I like looked him up and then I found LCC like on his Wikipedia page which like surprisingly is sort of how a lot of people find LCC, um, at least like from when I've been talking to like other members, but 
yeah, so I'm like really glad his Wikipedia is up to date and like the info was there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's how I found them. And then I just auditioned and I applied to only do writing. And so basically how LCC works is we do like student um, written works. Uh, so every quarter we put on three student written um, one acts. Um, the structure sort of changes a little bit also. So like sometimes we'll have sketches or like different things um, depending on like capabilities. But yeah, I like only wanted to be a writer. Um, but I think what's great about LCC is it's so fluid. Um, so I like got to try a lot of different things and then ended up being producer. And I think like that was just not something that I saw myself ever doing. And I'm like so glad that that's what happened, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting to see like how everything has changed and how like big theater is in my life now compared to like high school. Oh, I think that's so awesome. It's, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's definitely like finding a part of yourself with this organization. And mm -hmm. I mean, I think what, what specifically draws me to theater in general is just like self-expression and yeah. yeah. Right. And like, and getting, and, and, and having, and having a space for that in a, you know, in a fairly structured way, sometimes more or less structured in some places mm -hmm. than others. But, um, but in terms of the transition from being a writer to being a producer, like what did that mean to you? I think I always knew that I wanted to do something like behind the stage in the sense that like, I'm not an actor and I'm, I'm not like someone who is like the most comfortable like being on stage so I knew that if I wasn't going to be writing or like if I wanted something else to do in addition to my writing it would be something like producing and I think being an English major and sort of like knowing like so much about writing I guess or like having writing be such a big part of my life was really helpful because a lot of being a producer was like communicating with people and like organizing things and um yeah I think like it was a very new experience for me but I've definitely like learned and grown from it um but yeah like as I said like LTC is so fluid that like even though I was producer I still got to write which is awesome and I'm so glad that I got to do that so I'm, you know, happy that I got to do both. <laughs> so then, and then in terms of um, the kind, the kinds of things that you write and that other writers contribute for LCC, like what, what, what do you all write about? I'm just really <laughs> curious. Yeah. I think for me personally, I've had sort of like a journey and that like when I first or like the first one act I wrote for LCC it was very much a drama like rooted in me being Asian American and I think I always like go back to my family in terms of like when I write I always seem to address like the fact that I can't communicate with my grandparents or that I can't speak their language and like how that has been for me so my first one act was very much sort of like personal to me in that sense. But since then I've sort of changed, I guess, in the sense mm -hmm. that I really like like abstract pieces now. So my last one act that I wrote was very much abstract and sort of like, I really like surrealist humor and plays and things that don't make sense. So I tried to like do that and I'm still sort of like learning what that means essentially, but I think it still, had elements about family and all of my pieces have sort of been about my family and my relationship with them um, in some like way or form. So I think like being an LCC is really great because I know that people can relate to things that I write 
even though they're so like personal to me, like I just feel like this community is so supportive in that sense. So yeah, I always feel comfortable sharing my work and like watching it on stage is really great because so many people, I don't know, like supported and it's just like a great feeling in general. Oh, that's so awesome. I cannot tell you how much, how like encouraging it is to hear that you're already getting that, that you, that you're already writing like surrealist, like things that don't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 and also like, and not feeling sort of, you know, a responsibility to be like, I have to tell, you know, stories that depict, you know, that, that like depict our people in positive light, you know, like that, Mm -hmm. that, that there is like a, there, there is a bravery there. And there's also like a, like a, a sense of like abandoning that responsibility. That's a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> of, of like these store, you know, or of, of whatever, like an impactful or powerful story means and, and being into, and being able to explore in that kind of way is, is so special. So yay. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I I remember just having like, you know, some conversations with other friends on how, you know, and like what, what we can do in our respective fields of culturally specific theater. And it's like, well, some people can just like write about rocks. Like, why can't we write about rocks? And and so like, like that, just even that comment that was said, probably mm-hmm. like, eight years ago to me, it just, it, it has stuck and has totally Mm -hmm. stuck. And so I'm, I feel so hopeful, you know, yeah, it just gives me hope, right. Um, that you're like, I'm doing it. I'm writing about rocks Um, (laughs) (laughs) and what, you know, in, in other words. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so, uh, I guess I have a question around like, what, what brought you to artists at play? Uh, yeah. So, Again, it all goes back to LCC in that like we have a great alumni network. And so I, before maybe like this year before, like I became producer, I was very interested in film. Um, and that was sort of like where um, my emphasis was. And then I became producer and I was like, I guess like maybe I want to do more things with theater as well. So I reached out to Derica, who is an alum of LCC, um, but we never like overlapped, um, I don't think. I think she graduated, yeah, by the time I entered. But yeah, she was very nice. And I'm very glad that I got introduced to artists at play um, in that way. So yeah, I'm very grateful uh, that, yeah, now I'm a part of this. So yeah, and you've been helping. Okay, so I I know you've been helping us out with a few things. And so could you talk about like maybe some of your projects, like (laughs) including the one you've been working (laughs) on with me? (laughs) Well, the first thing we did was the artist at play at play, which I absolutely loved. I remember after that happened, me and Dylan, who's also volunteering and who's also an LCC, we were like in the car and we were just like talking about everyone and like like sort of like how we could see LCC growing and like I don't know there were like a lot of aspects of that show that I was like I would love to adopt (laughs) um and like see us do those things but yeah that was my first introduction and now I'm doing the outreach night which has been going great um yeah yay (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm learning a lot about like I guess I'm like never on social media or like theater social media so I guess I'm learning more about who's who in that world and getting more on that side of TikTok 
yeah, I'm slowly like getting into that. So I'm glad. <laughs> and okay. So, so let's, let's talk about the outreach night that you've been working on with me. So I'll just mm-hmm. give a little, a little primer. So for our next production with artists have played, this is not a true story. We're, we're thinking about different ways to market and reach out to folks. And yeah. And so we had this idea about reaching out to some uh, theater influencers and, and different ways that the show could be publicized because I think that um, especially in Los Angeles that you know theater media is a, a very different wide like why wild world on like mm-hmm. on how theater gets covered and written about in this region and so you know especially with being like a smaller and younger theater organization that we're always open I think to to different kinds of ways to publicize and, and have like coverage for our shows and also this being our first show in a long time because of COVID that yeah that we're looking to you know people covering our show like in in on Instagram or TikTok and so how were you doing your research on uh finding you know theater people on Instagram and TikTok (laughs) I won't lie it's been a little bit difficult but I just think it's because like naturally I like I didn't know or wasn't that on that side of social media I guess but yeah, I, algorithm I, wasn't, yeah, my like... algorithm wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't primed for that. I don't know. <laughs> like I had to seek it out, but yeah, I had to like, look up, I guess like people that spoke about Asian American issues or people that spoke about Asian American media. And I think that's sort of been on the rise, um, especially after like, I don't know, like more Asian American like movies and shows and stories are being told now like so many more people are being able to comment on them and sort of like like respond to them, I guess. So in that sense, there are a lot of people out there that are sort of like commenting on that. So yeah, I just sort of looked, I think I started at like one person and then I would like look at who they follow or like who's in their posts more and then like slowly it grew and that's how that happened. So yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for putting in all that time to research people that we could reach out to. Um, it's been, yeah. it has been incredibly helpful because um, <laughs> yeah, I think we all have different kinds of like algorithms on our social media mm-hmm. and um and so, so I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> like even even we didn't really know where to start. We I think we had a few names um to to start with. Mm-hmm. So so I guess we we took you know, that you were able to take those leads and yeah. And so so now we have something I feel like is pretty robust, and I'm excited about that. Um, I know I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> and. And then uh, you're going, you're, you're going abroad. You're, you're, you're studying abroad this, yes. um, this next <laughs> term. So can, can you tell us about that? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm going to London and I'm studying at King's College, still going to be English. And I'm taking some theater classes too. So I'm very excited about that because I've heard good things, I guess, um, about theater in London and like Shakespeare, you know? So it's a good place to be, I guess, as an English major. But yeah, I've never been to London. So I'm a little bit scared, but it's like a excited scared, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm leaving in a month. So yeah, it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, like the theater scene in London and the West End, but not just the West End. I think Mm -hmm. it all just kind of like, if, if you do have a big theater scene that's very like large or commercial, then it does also like ideally also trickles down to just being a very robust art scene in general. Um, yeah. 
beautiful museums and and lots and lots of theater. Yeah, so I'm, I am excited. I think like, oh, I've only been to London once and and I remember I got to see, what to, oh, I saw like, <laughs> I don't even know if you would get this reference, but it was called Jerry Springer Opera, Jerry Springer the Musical. And it was based mm-hmm. on like this 90s daytime talk show that just was very like what was very much a part of like mainstream culture and just had, it's, it, I think it's like where a lot of like very, very caught, not really controversial, but like very uh, big personalities get getting on daytime talk shows of like everyday people with lots of, mm-hmm. often a lot of fights. <laughs> That, that happened on camera but yeah and I was like how is this a musical and why is this in London <laughs> it's like an American an American daytime talk show but yeah but I think uh that that there is so much to explore and I can't wait to hear about your adventures okay well thank you so much Billy uh, this was really fun to chat with you and to talk about LCC and you know and and what you're writing about I can't wait to hear about London and we'll talk to you soon thank you so much yeah thank you okay so our next guest is another artist at play intern Asher Hammer. So Asher Hammer is a biracial artist from the Pasadena area, a rising freshman at Westmont College in Santa Barbara with plans to double major in theater arts and philosophy. Hi, Asher. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Marie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're calling me Marie and not Miss Velez. I really <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I know. I, mean, I think that I remember that being like one one of like my first um, impressions of you. Just you know, be being so proper and polite. And you can tell my mom that I'd really appreciate it. Oh. <laughs> I will. You can you can pass off the note that um, that you know it it very much came across ju- just how like all all of your manners were very well ingrained in your very being. So I'm glad. Yeah. I'm, yeah. No, I'm half Korean. My mom's my Korean side, so if she could hear that. I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> and so so did you just call everyone like Mister and Mrs. Like growing up and and all yeah. of that. Yeah, aunties and uncles for family friends, but you know, for the most part. And as I grew older, I tried out like first names with adults, and then my mom caught wind, and then I switched back very fast. And now that I'm, you know, I turned eighteen what, a little under a month ago, so now I'm trying to figure out this is a whole new balance. What I want to call professors, what I want to call you know adult other adult colleagues or supervisors like you. It's a brave new world out there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is a brave new world. Why don't we start with your background in theater? Could you tell us about how you got into theater and and your experiences? Yeah, I started doing theater in seventh grade. I went to Pasadena Christian School. It's a private private elementary and middle school in Pasadena, obviously. And my history teacher, who I liked very much, and was also head of the was head of the middle school theater department. Her name was Miss John. Her name was and is Miss Leslie Johnson. Miss J. She's very sweet, and I loved her a lot then. I love her a lot now. She cornered me after class one day, and she told me that I had to audition for the school musical. And she was my favorite teacher, so I did. It was a jukebox musical, actually, of um, Jane Austen's Emma, but all set to like various female empowerment, like pop rocks. I.e., uh, there's some Avril Lavigne in there, a little Sarah Barry. Ellis. I thought it was okay. 
And then uh, it's coming. <laughs> and then coming out of my seventh grade year, I met this really cute girl and she was really into musical theater. And I figured, you know what, eighth grade, maybe I'll give it another try. And I did. And it was wonderful. And yeah, the girl didn't stick, but the love for theater absolutely did. I ended up assistant directing that year. And then when I went to high school, I did pretty much every show I could get my hands on. Nice. I, I love hearing how people got into theater, like whether it was a, a specific person. I mean, it's great to hear that. I mean, I, I especially love hearing the impacts of of teachers and instructors in terms of turning people in a direction that that may not that they may not be aware of which is really wonderful um, yeah. but also the you know a crush or liking someone is uh, is just as powerful as well it is <laughs> just as powerful no I feel very blessed in that my in general just the way that I've that my that my life has been lived and specifically specific to theater it's in no way been a solo act every step of the way there have been people and instructors especially who fed into that and there's Miss J, and then there's Miss Sandra, who was my teacher for my first year of high school, and then Miss Garfinkel and Mr. Gould, who co-directed shows for the other three. And even now, um, you know, like my involvement with Artists at Play began because an old director, friend of Leon, pointed me in the direction of Artists at Play to intern here. And, you know, I'm to say I'm indebted to her for that, as well as just fantastic direction in the show I was in with her, is that's an understatement. And she was a wonderful mentor and instructor. And even though I'm not working with her now, the fact that she's out on my life and on the way that I see and take in and process theater is wonderful. And I feel very blessed. Yeah, well, we we do love Fran. And I think that we we all individually don't always know like our impact on, on other folks. And so Fran, Fran DeLeon, if you're out there, like we all love you and we're so we're so grateful for, for everything that you've done um, and, and everything that you continue to do as a director and as a performer former and as an overall wonderful human being. A um, but shout outs to <laughs> I know, right? And so um, actually I wanted to ask you about, I wanted to chat a little bit about um, the production of Into the Woods that you, that you did. I think you know this, that Stephanie and Julie and I all saw you in Into the Woods. Uh, I, um, it. I didn't know the rest of you oh, guys wait. did. That's awesome. Yeah. Wasn't, yeah, I thought Julie was there. Um, I was like, I'm pretty sure she was. I remember we, we were all able to get tickets because Fran had sent us a link to get tickets because otherwise it was a fully sold out show. And why don't you tell us about this? Because this is a really special production. I, I think I knew about it because of Pasadena Playhouse and because of Fran. How was this production different? I could sit here for hours and talk I about know. how wonderful <laughs> and different this production was. So as we were coming out of COVID, Karen Anderson, who's the Pasadena Unified Arts Director, uh, Pas PUSD, Pasadena Unified School District, is the school district, public school district in Pasadena that I was a part of for the majority of my education. Um, and she began collaboration with Danny Feldman, who's the artistic producer at the Playhouse. Um, and they began to collaborate on what they call the PUSD All-Star Musical, which would basically be a all four, all four high schools in the district, including mine, Marshall, uh, John Marshall Fundamental, would pool together their best and brightest in terms of theater, because each school has their own individual theater program. And together, those students would be directed by and produced by the Playhouse, in this case, by Fran DeLeon, who worked with the Playhouse and then with us directing the show. Um, it was total. It was totally produced by donors. So it was just. It was this really wonderful thing. It was this wonderful experience of this entire city coming together to fund this really fantastic public arts initiative. It culminated in three effectively sold out performances at the Pasadena Civic, which I. Well, I mean, that's a five thousand seat theater. That was I. Yeah. I hate to be the guy who says that I peaked in high school, but if I did, I'm. That's a pretty great place to peak. I mean, yeah, five thousand seats. 
that's that's really amazing. And so, okay, so it's not it was just the cast that was from all different schools from Pasadena Unified, but also the musicians and yes. the stage crew yeah. and any any like design were were the designers also students? The designers were a mix of students. I believe set was designed professionally, and I know stage stage and I know stage hands were also professional as well as stage management, but um, costume design, makeup design, prop design, those were all fielded out to um, students throughout PUSD under the direction of arts teachers in PUSD, working in conjunction with the Playhouse and Playhouse designers there. So, and and of course, musicians from all four schools in the district for our pit. So about, I mean, it looked like, it looked like a good 150 people on stage for that curtain call. Is that yeah. about right? I'm going to be real honest. I blacked out for that curtain call, but I got us. I would assume that you're correct. There was, it was a ne- never, I mean, I, I can gush forever. I mean, we've, you know, we've all stayed in touch and never have I been part of such a wonderful, fantastic artistic community in the way that in the woods just came together. It was wonderful. Yeah. And, and as an audience member, I think it was really, it was really fun and moving to see the community come together to support the production. How many, how many people were in the audience um, supporting all different performers and people who had contributed to the production. It was, yeah, it was just, I think it was just really beautiful to be able to witness. And I'm, I'm grateful that we got to see that. And I do remember also even like looking at everyone's headshots and being like, Hey, is this, is this student, is this student Asian? And then just like, you know, just like guessing and, but, but not even, you know, not even really caring too, because everyone was just so wonderful to watch. And, and so when, when we saw your email come through, we were like, Hey, (laughs) we know who this is. (laughs) That's wonderful. And yeah, as to the diversity of the cast, and I'll speak more broadly to the way that public school and functions in Pasadena is if you are, I hesitate to draw lines in the sand, but if you are, if you have money and if you are white you'll go to a pri- you go to a private school when my parents bought this house my parents asked about schools in the, the like public schools in the area and the realtor said i mean you know there's ben franklin down the street but you you're not going to send your kids there you're going to send your kids to a private school and i ended up going private for middle school and that was about it so all that to say for the community to come together and fund not just a student production which in and of itself is fantastic but a public school production in this city that is i mean we have the highest ratio of private schools to population. I think, I believe in the country, we were the only school district west of Mississippi that had to be desegregated by federal mandate, which there's just this really interesting and kind of painful history around public education in Pasadena. And so for the city and for all these donors and for the State Theater of California to come together and create this fantastic opportunity for young actors, young actors of color, young actors who may not be the best off fiscally, and certainly young actors, young, certainly young actors who are part of a public system that is too often dis- at, a, at a constant and often disadvantage against private schools in the area was wonderful. I mean, I, yeah. I, I I really could talk about this for hours in the myriad ways in which Into the Woods just touched every single person it met. Yeah, I mean, I think that that that, that is um, actually really important to point out in terms of the disparity in, what, in which we see actually taking place in the Pasadena public school system. But yes, we can, we can of course, talk about that for hours. <laughs> and That's my other um, internship is talking about that for hours. I know. So, yeah, I'll take it out of I'm, I'm asking everyone this question. So how or when did you become aware of Asian American theater? Because I 
feel like there there is like sort of stages, right? Like kind of broad awareness of theater and then starting to get involved or loving theater and then and then hone, you know, and then and then starting to kind of be aware of these different niches or pockets. And yeah. so how how did this happen for you? Um, for me, I I had a passing I had a passing knowledge of different facets of Asian American theater. Um, I read M Butterfly. I think when I was like over COVID on a whim, I thought it was fine. I set it down, didn't pick it up for two years. I knew about <laughs> I knew I mean you know I'm a good theater kid. I knew about Miss Saigon. Whether or not that actually counts as Asian American theater is is a coin toss. But um, don't. <laughs> <laughs> so whether as I learned, I'm a good theater kid, so I knew about Miss Saigon. But beyond that, my knowledge of Asian American theater was shamefully limited. And then over the course of Into the Woods, which I mean, good grief, go fund public. If you're listening to this, go donate like 10 bucks to whatever public school is in your area. Go donate 10 bucks to their public, to any form of public arts. Into the Woods was such a blessing. Anyways, through Into the Woods, I met the wonderful friend. Once she found out that me and then my co-star, I was the baker. So me and my baker, then my baker's wife, we we were both half Asian. And when she found out that we were half Asian, she, I like, I think of it as her taking as closer interest in us as Asian American artists. And I know for me, that manifested most prominently in her directing me towards artists at play, where I had my mind blown in terms of Asian American art and the power of Asian American theater, which is, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you know, you're picking up what I'm putting down. You know what I'm talking about. But it almost feels like you were like, um, at least with us, with, with Asian, with, with artists at play, it's like, we're, we're kind I don't know maybe I'm giving us too much credit but like we're kind of at the deep end of Asian American theater (laughs) you know we're we aren't we aren't we're not exactly or at least maybe maybe we are for some folks um and and I and I would hope that we are for some folks in terms of like an intro to Asian American theater realm of of what we do but but we're very much like like this is what we do and and it's not even like, you know, like we, we, we have been focusing a lot on new work and, and new play development and, and we have a world premiere coming up. So that also is very much steeped in like, oh yeah, if you, if you know about these like entities like Miss Saigon or Madame Butterfly, then like, then of course this is going to, you know, then, then like, then you will definitely get this. And I, I mean, there, there's also a hope that even if you don't know Miss Saigon or Madame Butterfly, that you will still get it, which we kind of got from you know at least we we got to hear from one of our designers at the first rehearsal uh, that they were like oh I didn't know these but I I got I got the play <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I mean as to AAP being at the deep end I AAP is my only reference point to Asian American it's his proper Asian American theater and so I wouldn't know but I'd love you know I love participating here and getting to do what we do and I will say over the course a huge part of my crash course in Asian American theater was getting the opportunity to do dramaturgy for um, this is not a true story and working with Catherine on that there's just this whole world of theater and it's theater something I love and you know being Asian is also something I love I you know I eat my fair share of kimchi I have my card so just there's this whole world in which those two things combine really painfully and really beautifully at the same time I consider myself in every, you know, in every meeting of the board, just a total novice where when it comes to Asian American representation, theater, 
there's, I mean, that's, you know, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this podcast. That's why I'm an intern at Artists at Play is because there's so, so much more to be known when it comes to Asian American theater. And there's, so, I mean, it's, it's a, the Artists at Play is, to me at least, it seems to be the tip of the spear. There's more to be done. And yeah. that's, yeah, there's always more to be, there's always a new, it's a, it's a new, it's a newer form of the theater art, Asian American theater. And it's a newer form that I love the idea of contributing to. Yeah. I mean, there, there is of, of course so much, so much work. And I think that's why we keep doing it. Right. It's like, there's more that we can do. There's more that we can address. And there's so many conversations to be had and there's so many things to see or things that we would love to see happen on our stages. I I actually want to bring it back to doing dramaturgy work with Catherine and what that experience has been. Um, for, for those of us who don't know what dramaturgy is, could you give us a little primer? Yes, of course. Dramaturgy is what I pretentiously will call the art of filling in context behind a certain play, specifically for the benefit of actors and designers and the director who are taking on the script of that show. A great example of this would be in Hamilton or in Les Mis. There's a lot of references to the revolutionary movement that Marquis de Lafayette helped to found in the late 1700s and how that then plays into the political movements that take place over the course of the show. So for me, an actor, I would want to know a ton about just the history of socialist revolution in Les Miserables. I'd want to know who General Lamarck is. And to that, I would turn to a dramaturge. Um, so it's a lot of historical context and historical and cultural context that a dramaturge helps fill in um, for the actors and just do research so that the actor can focus more fully on embodying the role. Are there, have there been any like discoveries for you while while working on the dramaturgy packet? This is not a true story. It deals with really heavy themes around Asian American, Asian and Asian American representation in the arts, which is a remarkably heavy topic. And so to be able to go back and do research on all these different forms of media that have done such a systemic job of shunting us into these tiny little boxes and to be able to research and unpack that for myself uh, has been holistically transformative, not just as an artist, not just as, you know, as, but in every aspect of who I am as a Christian, as an Asian American, as future Westmont warrior, you know, what have you. That has been just ridiculously transformative and really cool, frankly. And yeah. focusing more on dramaturgy, I, uh, I found out that research, I'm not a big research guy, but if I'm passionate about what I'm researching, it is not as hard as it is cracked up to be. So take them out oh. what you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. And I think for, for me with Asian American theater, it had to do with it was very centered on like representation and the whole reason why I've I, I continue to do this. And of course it's it's grown from that and evolved from from being just about representation and about the stories we tell. So so yeah, well, I, I'm so excited for one, that you're going to college soon, but also that you're staying in the region. <laughs> I know it's not the same county, but, but you're still kind of close by. And, you know, I really hope that we get to keep in touch and hear about, you know, all of your wonderful adventures at Westmont. And, um, and so thank you so much for everything um, this summer and for all of your contributions to Artists at Play and for joining me today. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. Thanks, Asher. Okay. So our next guest is Jocelyn Sheck, who is, this is your second year as an artist play intern. And I'll read your mm -hmm. bio for a second. So 
<laughs> Jocelyn, <laughs> Jocelyn Sheck is a theater artist and enthusiast from Los Angeles who has been an intern with Artists at Play since June 2022, working on projects in dramaturgy, fundraising, and production. She's served as a dramaturg for Artists at Play and a Noise Within's reading of The Dance in the Railroad by David Henry Wong. Uh, she's also performed on the national tour of What the Constitution Means to Me and will soon begin her first year at Harvard College, where she plans to deepen her passion for social justice-oriented theater. Thank you so much for joining us, Jocelyn. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Since we already chatted with you a little bit last year in the last Artists at Play Meet the Interns podcast, let's refresh everyone's um, memories. I mean, I read your bio, but could you tell us about, about how you got into theater? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I got into theater in a pretty, I don't want to say basic way, but as a middle schooler, I got very into to musicals. And this was in like 2016 to 2018. So especially a lot of theater and musicals, particularly that were oriented towards younger artists were coming out. So I got really interested in theater because of that. And then I just started reading more, listening to more, seeing more, and eventually wanted to get more into the field myself. Oh, nice. So is that is so so you got into musicals first and then and then that brought you to like auditioning for what the Constitution means to me? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a funny story. Like I was just a really big theater fan from the sidelines. I had never I was never someone who grew up doing theater, particularly in elementary school or middle school. But I got interested in listening to theater uh, and musicals and just developing an appreciation for it. And then I saw one day that they were holding auditions for the show. So I, I reached out to them and uh, worked to get an audition and ended up getting the role for that. And that was actually my first play that I've ever been in outside of a fifth grade skit with one line in it about Greek myth. <laughs> oh my god that's so wild that your first the first play that you were in outside of like what sounds like a class project was on a national stage with you know with with a really I mean I think for for me like an important an important piece of American theater that came out you know right before the pandemic and then also there's the you know I I got to see it through the Amazon Prime like video uh, recording of the Heidi Shrek like production um, on Broadway. And so, so I remember when, when you reached out to us, I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) 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 And so, so it was funny to, you know, like, like for me, I was, I was really impressed. And I mean, I think I'm still impressed with hearing about how, how that was um, like that your first play experience, a full play experience was a professional production and that you've held your own, which is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Even looking back, I'm like, wow, that was a really crazy thing that happened because I even look at some of my like Instagram stories from the time I saw my first Broadway show for my 14th birthday in 2019 and then auditioned for Constitution a couple months later. (laughs) So that is really something. (laughs) And what what was that? What was that first Broadway show? It was okay. I took like a trip to New York because I have some family there. And then that was my first trip to New York after being like a really big theater 
fan and I saw the prom and be more show. Oh, be- oh, nice. Nice. Those are fun ones. And I'm, I'm actually not as familiar with them, but I know how popular those two Yes, shows they are, are very popular for 14 year olds. So, <laughs> which I was. <laughs> I well, I mean, yeah, I I definitely connect to that because I think like yeah, musicals was also my my gateway into theater and just like to hear the music and only having the recordings to go off of and not always Mm -hmm. having seen the show before getting into it. So, so for me, I think like a lot of my teenage years were filled with musical theater fandom Um, (laughs) and then being like, you know, and then, and then getting into theater that way and really wanting to be a part of a thing that just felt special in general as an audience member, as a potential audience member, as just a person who started to love the form. So yeah, Yeah, exactly. So after what the constitution means to me, and then last year when you reached out to Artists at Play to intern with us uh, and working with us, I I feel like there is kind of a switch from musicals, theater, and then Asian American theater. So for you, like when did that switch to looking at Asian American theater uh, happen? I think um, I've always been someone who has really found joy in the stories that theater can tell. I think that's why I got into musical theater in the first place. And I have been working really hard over the last few years, especially growing up in a very white area of Los Angeles. Even in comparison, I've been wanting to find stories that are of like relatable to me as an Asian American person and are about the Asian American experience. Also, I think even the whole time I really respected theater and the arts as a conduit for social change and as a way to tell different stories that are not usually told and I think Asian American theater um, is a really valuable tool for that for me particularly. And I know that between last summer and this summer that, that you had a research project in school that was kind of tied to this topic around theater as a tool for social justice and I got to introduce you to Dr. Donatella Galella from UC Riverside, who is an artist at play friend. And I was really excited to be able to introduce you to. So could you tell us about the project and your your work with her? Yeah, for sure. She's super amazing. And thank you so much again for introducing me to her. I think honestly, inside, I've always been very much a academic person. I like being able to really deeply analyze things. And that's something that I've even found within my time at artists at play. Um, but yeah, over the last year, uh, or and honestly, a little bit more than that at this point, I worked on a project about multiracial casting and neoliberalism and overall the political dramaturgy of Trump era musical theater. And I focused particularly on the 2019 Broadway productions of Oklahoma, the revival of Oklahoma and Hadestown. And I used a few different racial frameworks that I adapted from Dr. Galella to understand how these plays production and critical responses to them, what that means about the world in general, what that says about the Trump era and the state of theater in that era, and how theater can be used as a tool to respond to political injustice, but also how it is limiting, especially in a very um, corporate theater world. Oh, wow. Can you talk more about how it is limiting or at least like one of the findings that you found that were 
that were maybe like light bulb moments for you in, in that research? Yeah. I mean, I think something that I figured out pretty, pretty early is that a lot of big theater, commercial theater, especially on Broadway is just very beholden to the interests of phone quote traditional theater goers who are often very predominantly older and whiter um, and are just people with more access to wealth which um, usually disadvantages a lot of underserved communities and means that not necessarily radical or groundbreaking stories are getting told, even if the idea is that theater is like a super liberal bubble, which is what a lot of people think. So it's really just interesting to see that that is not necessarily always true, but there are artists and storytellers that are working to bring new and diverse ideas to the forefront. So, okay. So, so that, that makes me think about a lot of things, especially around like what's happening to American theater today or regional, mm-hmm. like large regional theaters and this argument that people make around, you know, who is theater for and why, and maybe that the super radical liberal side of theater has become its own downfall and that it's become too left, too diverse, too, you know, like too, mm-hmm. Whatever for the people who have access to wealth. And so I feel like I have so many like half thoughts around that. Do you have a response to like this conversation about the current state of American theater or at least like some some thoughts based on this research? I think I'm just like you, I also have a lot of half thoughts, a lot of different opinions on it. But I think importantly for me coming out of it, even at times when I was doing research and things have felt really bleak in terms of the political impact that theater can have when it's being commercialized, is just to remember that even small theater matters and it's not just shows on Broadway that have the biggest impact. In fact, most people see far more local and community theater than we'll ever see. Broadway in their lifetimes. So I think it's really important to elevate experiences within local communities as well. Right. Because it seems like, you know, there aren't really a lot of lines or boundaries drawn between commercial theater and let's say large nonprofit theater. I know I feel like I'm getting into the weeds about, about <laughs> this a little bit, but, but there, but there is, but there is a difference. There is a difference between those two, but I feel like a lot of people don't see what those differences are. And I think we're, I I feel like maybe some some of the trouble that we're in right now, not trouble, but you know, some of the difficulties that our field is facing right now is because of those lines being so blurred. And it does feel like there's a little, I, I, it does feel like we need to look at defining the role of these large nonprofits and also the large, the role of the smaller nonprofits and what exactly, what exactly we're here to do. <laughs> and, and it almost feels like as well that the major issue is the money and, and not, and not just the money, but, but like the, the making of the money and, and, and where that is going. Yeah. Do you, sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, I think I totally agree with you. And I think there are definitely are nonprofit theater companies of all different sizes and even just community groups doing really impactful work and doing really impactful theater. And I think that is really valuable. Something I also found in doing my research was just how controversy raises itself when shows get popular and what controversy looked like for a show like Oklahoma versus a show like Katie's Town versus even a show like What the Constitution Means to Me, which I was in, which was really cool to look at. 
And there's definitely a lot of different ways that a show could be interpreted. And the way that the public looks at it is very dependent on when it comes out and how it's released into the world, which is something I also think is is really cool to look at. Could you give us a couple of examples of these like quote unquote controversies that we may or may not be familiar with? Sure. I mean, I think in my study specifically, I focused on how the 2019 production of Oklahoma was really controversial because it was so subversive and had such a piercing depiction of racial equity. It was generally hated because of its pessimistic interpretation. But I also found that even though Hadestown shows a relatively similar tale of also like despair, it didn't generate as much anger because it allows audience members to not have to divorce themselves from the suffering that occurs in the play as much as Oklahoma does, which is like really explicitly racialized, especially towards harms caused by Black women which is something that I found interesting. Whoa. Oh my gosh. That's such an interesting like correlation to make between those two, because yeah, I think that the common like racial makeup of of the casts of both of those two shows are, are pretty similar and as well as in lots of different like forms of diversity. It's not just racial diversity that's depicted in both of these shows. I know that I had very different, very different responses as an audience member watching those two productions, at least the touring productions. And I think what, because one is like a much more reflective, I don't know. Yeah, it's much, it's much more of a, a reflective production. And another is like the story of the love between two people. And so two very different approaches too, to like what, what, what these stories are about. Mm-hmm. I remember being taken aback by Oklahoma and it's, it's, it's pace. It's pace is just a lot slower. Whereas Hades town is just, is, is nonstop. And so there's more time to think in Oklahoma and less time to think in Hades town and I didn't think about that so yeah thanks thanks for that <laughs> so okay so you're going to Harvard in a few hours <laughs> so thanks for making the time but in your preparation for college like is there anything that you're particularly like looking forward to I think obviously I've lived in the same place my whole life I've lived in the same house my whole life so honestly I'm just excited to get into the world and go to college and I wouldn't say reinvent myself. I think I like myself for who I am now, but to hopefully explore new interests, take classes, and there's just a bunch of really amazing professors and people and opportunity there that I'm excited to explore. Oh my gosh. I am so excited for you. And I think that this kind of headspace that you're in for heading to college is exactly what it should be. And yeah, and I'm so, I'm so looking forward to hearing updates and uh, we will, of course, miss seeing you around especially for our local events but we just know that you have you have so much ahead and it's really exciting so uh thank you so much for your time and chatting and as well as all of your contributions to artists at play in the last year and change and so it's it's been so much fun so so thank you so much jocelyn oh thank you so much i really couldn't have done it without you y'all are amazing thank you Artists at Play is a Los Angeles-based theater-producing collective dedicated to programming that explores the Asian-American experience. The Artists at Play producing team are Julia Cho, Catherine Chow, Stephanie Lau, Nicholas Spillerfield, and Marie Ran Velez. Learn more about Artists at Play at artistsatplay.org and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at 
artists at Play LA. We'd like to thank our podcast guests, Billy Chang, Asher Hammer, and Jocelyn Sheck. This episode was produced by me, Marie Ranvelez, and edited by Catherine Chow. Special thanks to Eloise Wong, who wrote and recorded our podcast theme.